so let's do this, fellas. This is season four, episode seven of the Art Fight Podcast. Um, super thrilled, happy, and uh, ready to welcome these two crazy men. Uh, we've got Ernest Chapman and Mark Montgomery. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Thank us for having you. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, for any listeners wondering who these guys are, um, I actually don't even know. Uh, we just, just met at the coffee shop. Just, are you assuming my gender? <laughs> so uh, I'm not. <laughs> he knows. So, does that music play in the background for the whole sh- the whole show? If you want it to, but probably not. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want it to. Yeah, it's actually it's a it's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> uh, are you paying royalties? I didn't think you could put music in podcasts. Well, I made the music. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. But, but it's got samples Are you paying it, right? yourself royalties? It does have probably some samples it. In sounded it. like I've, I've smelled a little Beyonce in there. Is there a fair use thing going on here? Um, Educational use? You know, I, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> is this our prep time or is this the actual podcast? This I'm is the actual podcast. This is the actual okay. podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. but, but it should always, you know, feel, feel like, like prep time. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but anyway, so thank you guys for, for being here, of course. And we actually have uh, a lot of listener questions, which I'm super excited about. Uh, some from people you know, some from people you don't know, some from people you don't want to know. I don't <laughs> okay. know. Um, Fair. But it's but it's pretty good. But Only from people, though? Not from... Are we starting with those or are we ending with those? Are there any non-humans? I don't know. We'll just figure it out. Right. Um, okay. Great. We're, we're not held to any format here. Um, so, uh, but anyway, so you guys are sort of a, a brain trust, but also separate entities in many ways. Um, uh, starting with you, Mark. No, I'm changing it up. Starting with... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. Start, start, with, start with Ernest. Starting, yeah. starting with you, Ernest. Uh, I've known you for probably um, 15 years or something. Yeah. And... Uh, and I haven't gotten any taller, but maybe a little, no, not even necessarily wiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we used to be neighbors, and uh, we've done uh, lots of hangs and lots of um, music and, and various other things. Uh, but you recently sort of, in the last few years, sort of gone on, on a bit of a turn that I think is really interesting to talk about, especially for this podcast, in the sense that I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, uh, living a pure sort of musician music based uh-huh. life and really you know uh holding on to that um and making use of that and contributing to that and obviously you have a ton of training and and are an excellent uh you know sort of musician and creator in all those ways and then you sort of slowly started to morph and and uh sort of evolve in a way and you took a lot of the I guess the impetus might have been when you started teaching mm-hmm. and then you decided to make a book Mm-hmm. And it was called the Magic Music Method. Is that right? That's right. See, so you're even good at branding and marketing then, which is what we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I guess I'm just curious about uh, how you would sort of describe or characterize that sort of turn, because for a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's a real fearful thing. It means like music is n- well <laughs> music lessons. No, no, n- turning away from oh, changing course, yeah, changing yeah, course, the pivot. Because you, you know, yeah. in order to yeah. have like, there's some weird blind faith. I would I would imagine that any musician <clears throat> has to have on some irrespective of how talented or, or whatever. Yeah. So there's just some point where you have to start um, being brave enough to sort of let it go and and not feel like you're letting it go. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, what was that process like for you? And did you feel like it was a lot of arguments with yourself or was it something that was actually kind of an easy thing and perhaps a relief or how, how would you think about it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all of the above. So, uh, it was learning through pain and it was learning through having my ass kicked. 
and then having the training, the background, the the ability to fall back on different frameworks and methodologies for straightening out my internal self-talk and figuring out what the path forward needed to be, basically. So um, I would I would say the ability to change course and still feel like I'm doing something that's right and then realize later that I've, I've actually never stopped doing the same core set of things my entire life. Right. It just looks different on the surface, but right now I'm doing a lot of brand work, I'm doing marketing, digital marketing, consulting, brand therapy is what I call it. Um, but I feel like I'm making a record. And when I'm teaching a music lesson, I feel like I'm in the studio laying down tracks with a student and they're just learning a part. Um, you know what I mean? When, yeah. I, when I'm writing a song, I feel like I'm just dreaming something into reality. And how is that any different from coming up with the concepts for the logo for a company? You know, it's all the same thing to me. Some base form of communication yeah. with a design to actuate or uh, um, create some sort of a, yeah. a emotion or feeling or compel people to do something, if, whether it's to dance or to buy something. Well, it's not even about controlling or compelling others. Sure. For me, it's it's about oh, telling it's, it's about telling a story. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Stop on. overlaying can, your crap on him. Yeah. Say, can I make a note of that, please? Yeah. No, okay. it's it's All about right. telling a story, and it's it's about creating art and creating meaning, um, but doing it in a way that is separate from my own self-image of how I validate my own self-worth. Yes. That was the hardest part, and yeah. that was where I got my ass kicked the most as a musician and as a creative and as an artist and putting bands together, making records and sort of submitting things for public judgment um, and only realizing after it didn't really work out the way I thought it would that actually the reason why it didn't work out is I was making stuff that wasn't really commercial and that's okay yeah that's totally cool now some people like Mark sometimes says well I don't know maybe I don't know man there's me. a couple of, there's a couple tracks on that record that yeah. are in my mind incredibly commercial I mean the uh there are people who who are just too cute for the room. I don't know if it was that you were too cute for the room. I'm glad I think you think I'm cute. Though. Well, right, but I, I mean, it, it, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but but this the notion. Let's just take a break. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a, it's a little weird. Um, but more about uh, the overarching thing was too cute for the room, right? Like when mm -hmm. you would explain to people the whole thing. I think they all just didn't know what the fuck to do with well, it. Yeah. But if you go to two, there, there are three or four tracks right, uh, immediately on on that record that I go, oh, that American Dream, American Dream, Team Illuminati. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but then when you explain the Team Illuminati, then the people that's are like, when everybody's like, what the person? I mean, the, I, what yeah. do I do with this? Where does this go? Oh, but, totally. Yeah, and th that but was, but that's <laughs> an interesting stepping stone because really, what that whole project was was about a really connected outreach and engagement of people in a way that is not just a uh, passerby or like, I hope you like it. It was like, no, you need to be a part of this. Right. If I, if I might, um, uh, in my, I'm older than you in my era, it was Queensryche's operation mind crime, mm -hmm. which was for, for those of us who, who were into that, it was team Illuminati. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I followed that band around like the grateful dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I followed the Grateful Dead, but I, I never... Well, I followed them too, but yeah, I mean... I guess I just didn't have as much time as you did to, to follow to, Queensryche also, but... <laughs> I'm outing myself as a prog rock guy, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. Sorry. We, man, we can go down that road. Oh, dude. Well, yeah. I, I was... I look at, back at that now, and I dig up old files, and I look at stuff that I never put out, and I look at unfinished things, and I look at... And I, and I realize, oh, I was just practicing to run a branding agency. Yeah. I was... It was like practice. Yeah. Uh, because... Like I was making logos, I was making T-shirts, I was making, you know, I was <laughs> making all the things. And then I came up with this idea. It was in 2008, kind of in the middle of the slump. I was like, well, you know, we're all worried about people downloading music, so let's 
just how about just use click funnels styles before click funnels but use like affiliate marketing and get a, a whole bunch of people to sell the record and take a commission and get the fans on this side of the table and of course burn lounge i think had already come and gone and failed <clears throat> miserably yeah right but but i was thinking like that and i was thinking outside the box because i didn't know there was a box yeah that was the thing that constantly caused me to just bump into things and like blindfolded in a dark room just bump into everything and get my ass kicked over and over again um but something that happened recently so i, I went from that to okay i'm going to teach music lessons i love teaching i love the process of transformation i went to a very odd school called hampshire college where you make your own major and my major was music and alchemy uh, it was it was called the philosopher's tone which uh i got to give credit to william henry who uh, i think came up with that he's a local nashville guy that's into uh mythology and and the language of the birds but the language of alchemy the language of transformation I, I that's how i approached teaching and that's how i approached the team illuminati project as well it was sarcasm it was humor it was a joke it was not a joke see so i went from that to teaching and then i went from teaching to consulting and realized it's all one thing so mm. now i've got to back up and try to explain that in you know one sentence without a comma the kind of training that marcus put me through like Okay, now let's take all these things that you you're good at. Now actually point it at something that that can help other people. Yeah. In in a bigger way. Well, and to, I mean, I don't I don't even know where we're going with this, but when I think about um how when I met you, when your mom at, brought you into my office and you were 17 mm -hmm. and you immediately understood something that I was that took me a long time to explain to what I thought were reasonably intelligent executives. And he had it in five minutes. And, and part, music, of what, yeah. part of what you needed was somebody to tell you that. Yeah, because like, I didn't hey, have dude, framework. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to be fine. Right, like just right? for somebody to say, you're not in outer space. You're actually grounded in quite a, a reality. Well, you are in outer space, but that can, outer space. You, you you're can, in the reality yeah. of outer space. And, you can and, bring back some <laughs> asteroids. Go mine asteroids and bring them back and sell them to people. <laughs> <laughs> and the other, the other, you I'm know, a kryptonite dealer. <laughs> that's that's the real business model. The other thing that, that that just dawned on me is is when you think about where that all started, the epicenter of of your transformation was playing music with a bunch of people for no other reason than to do it. Yeah, and and that became yeah. the 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 atom smasher. Yeah, that woke a bunch of people up to a bunch of stuff. When you think about that original core group and right. wh where that all went. Yeah. So and that, that all yeah. centered around music. And that, that to me, that was like going to this, you know, we'd drive out to Mark's house out in Pegram and it'd be at night on a Tuesday. It was like Tuesday night music club. And I never really knew who was going to be there. But, you know, whenever I got the call, it was like Batman called me. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to this. This is going to be fun. <laughs> like every time we would come up with some interesting thing. And it wasn't always music, but that was the foundation. But then it, it's like everything is interdisciplinary. Everything is everything else. Yeah. Well, it's almost like... Uh you know, and I miss a lot of these days of just sort of that kind of life is free enough right now to where I can be in a band with my friends yeah. and just take time and cut loose and improvise and, and yeah. let things happen and then figure out what's what and cement it somehow. Like, but having cult, been cultivated in that way through that experience, mm -hmm. that helps you, I think, probably a lot now when you're in a room of executives or, you know, whoever mm -hmm. from a really culturally different place, but just having, there's, everybody's just looking for that one person just to stick their neck out in a room and say i have an assertion and, mm. and, I, and i'm not you know i'm not afraid of of the impact of that assertion good bad ugly i'm just 
I see a void of uh, um, initiative on some level and so somebody's just got to have like either the first bad idea or or you're hired to be the initiative in other words the other the other notion is is that you're brought in because you are weird well the court jester can question the king that's how I've gotten everything I've ever done yeah you're right the court jester can question the king it's the only one who can without getting his head chopped off wow I forgot about that um, what else? I mean, occasionally, occasionally he, he did get his head cut off, but <laughs> okay, that's yeah. a separate conversation. <laughs> but um, oh, and then actually, you, you brought up your uh, your time uh, at Hampshire, right? Yeah. And so, in your marketing efforts, right? There's been a, a recent uh, sort of uh, bit around that that I'd love to get into, but better for a caller to, to about nine hours. <laughs> and this is a, this is a soft. We're starting off with a softball. This will be someone that I think you'll appreciate. All right, you ready for this? Oh, gosh. All right. Here we go. Hey, what's up? This question is for Ernest. Um, I'm curious about how your recent involvement with Save Hampshire College has impacted your view of branding. Wow. I feel like this is a plant. <laughs> this is 100%. Who, am I allowed to know who that is? That's you hilarious. Are, yeah, don't. Like, you're, what you're not allowed is to not know who that you're is. You're not allowed to name it because it'll just ruin the entire impact of the piece. Go on. Okay, so here's how it impacted my, <laughs> my view of branding. It validated a theory that I had. Um, when it became clear that Hampshire was in a lot of trouble and there was a lot of problems and there's a lot of arguing and a lot of people on Facebook going and just like massive threads of just chaos in every direction, I looked at that and I said, we need a single point of focus. And I don't know what the answers are to this yet. I have my suspicions, but uh, we need to gather information, validate facts. We need to get everyone together on a platform that's not just a bunch of yelling. So um, I went and reserved. So he didn't go to Facebook. Right. I reserved SaveHampshire.com. And then I, I put a placeholder website up. And it basically said, how should we save Hampshire? Primary skill set, secondary skill set. What do you love? Stole that from you. And what, should, what are we going to do? And then click here, do something. And I and, and Jesse, uh, creative director for Not Black Labs slash Brand Therapy Group. Uh, she, you can't have two names, by the way. We yeah, have to talk about this. I know. We're in the middle of shifting. <laughs> um, speaking of branding. So we... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we we made a, a variation of the Hampshire College logo that has the letters of the word save in it because it's got four little things and uh, and we dropped it in we created the brand and then 371 people have filled out that form in like two weeks and they all drop into a slack channel and then in there we iterated the brand further and we worked with a couple of different people who created a new logo that's a variation of this beautiful tree logo for Hampshire College and that has become a central hub for information and fact-checking and questioning. And the brand is the thing that, that grabs everyone and brings them together. And then you slowly back away and let them do their work. And develop their own hierarchy. Well, it's not even very hierarchical. Okay. There's, there's, leader, there's servant leadership. There's people that take a step forward and take on responsibilities, but no one's giving orders to anybody. It's a horizontal distributed organization across. There's, there's people in Australia. There's people in, in Italy. There's a legal team, there's there's a PR marketing team, there's people talking to reporters, there's like all these different teams just spontaneously developed. Well, and I think the I around mean around the idea. And and if if you if nothing else happens, right? So yeah. to me the 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 outcome of the case study will be the fascinating piece and as you're going as you start as you document how this organism come uh, has yeah. come together and then what does it achieve? It'll be fascinating to see 
the outcome. Yeah, I mean, I hope You'll we can have make him back for a second for, yeah. for season hope, five. That's true. That's true. I mean, I hope we can make a difference and I hope we can do something positive. But I mean, I think the to the question, what does this do for me in my thinking around branding? Basically, it confirms that brand comes first. It, it really does. It grabs people's attention. And when you have their attention and you bring them together, then all the other things happen. Amazing. So this happened in the span of what? Like a Three weeks. W- right. I mean, that's that's kind of nuts. Yeah. So that's cool, though. You have this quick sort of cauldron of activity that, that has happened that you can learn so much from really quickly. Yeah. And then be like, okay, wow. So imagine over a, maybe a more, it might have to be more protracted and yeah. broad range or something, but, you know, you've, you've got a lot proven it, and understood there. It just confirms the power of passion around a reason, a cause, a mission, a quest. What is the quest? You need that. Yeah. And the brand should say that. The yeah. brand should communicate that. Um, and then, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in with another uh, question here because I think it'll help us get from here to there. Segway? I, I'm not, I don't do segways, but this is this is, this is just something I'm just dying. I'm, here's wrong. Another, You're I'm just, wrong, Mark. I'm just, I'm just dying to How play this. That's really oh God, all. Oh, here it's, we go. It's, it's absolute self-interest. Uh, that's all. All right, here we go. All right. Okay, I have two questions. Oh, God. First one is for Ernest. Um, uh, Ernest, I had a session come in for Wednesday morning, so I won't be able to make our meeting. Can we reschedule for uh, another time this week, possibly Friday afternoon? That's not a question. question one. All right, so are we good on that before I get into the next part? Yeah, I, I didn't realize I'd be doing my, my scheduling in here, but are there any other things we need to sort out? There's a separate, there's another voicemail this, coming. Okay. This podcast is a wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> Question two is from Mark Montgomery. Question being, I just bought the domain uh, com, and I'm wondering if, uh, if you'd like to partner up on that. Uh, of the ball. <clears throat> The the answer okay, is that's the, my two questions. Okay, my my answer is um, <laughs> possibly. So you, there's, we can't get a hard commit right now. No, on hats for bald I, people. I, I need to do well. I mean, need to run the. I need to run the numbers. No, I'm kidding. Of course, I'll do it. It's uh, uh, anything for Jeff. See, so this is uh, Matt, anything for Jeff. Anything for Jeff. I'll reschedule for you, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, this stuff is uh, businesses and ideas and all this kind of shit is happening just right now. This is Who's Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so uh, yeah, Jeff Coffin, while not when he's not playing with Dave Matthews Band saxophone for Dave Matthews and many or, other or with many other, other things, yeah, he's, yeah. yeah. Um, he calls you he, and leaves voice. He calls you through my voicemail. This so, podcast is a wormhole. He doesn't want to bother you. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. I mean, he can. He knows he can come. <laughs> we're going to become dependent on this to know what we're doing every week. I'll call Brian and ask Brian, what's my schedule next week? Oh. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to check the podcast check later. Jeff. Yeah. Ask um, Jeff. That's season but, that's season 7. But you know, you know, Jeff is definitely somebody where it's like how do you even in one sort of glance even try to uh address the entirety of who he is, right? Because he's just an immense talent across many mediums um as just a human contributor to the world. I mean, you know, uh and so in a similar way, I feel like Mark Oh, no pressure. You, are also a person that's like uh, you know it's, it's pretty tough to to sum up quickly in an elevator pitch or mm-hmm. sort of conversational way to the passerby you know um, I, I don't I don't even really know where to start uh, but I would say you make shit happen mm. I uh, um I okay thank you 
um in I, the positive i sense mean i try sure. i uh, i think the th- i think for me uh, um i just i i am passionate about certain things and i apply myself to those things in, in a nutshell but you know and that's that's you know appreciate that that's really cool but you're you're <laughs> okay try yeah. again okay like he's a producer hey let's just do one more let's do just one more, one more no 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 he doesn't just, edit remember no yeah. edits oh that's right okay no but the thing is you can't just playlist that, your answer it's really I, I want people to and there's no way for that to sort of translate necessarily in an instant but i would love listeners just to fully understand and you can't provide them this this is just something i'm trying to impart they can google it but i guess i'm just saying like in terms of music and tech and making uh uh uh, new ideas happen and putting things together to create exponentially g- great things you're, you're uh, you know in the, in the way that you were sort of talking about alchemy I, I would consider yeah. you a bit of an alchemist for sure and you know uh we all talk about sort of things that we've had in our lives that have held us back or, you know, that maybe have been difficult or challenges, but it's just as a human being, you've, you've persevered and, and been through a lot of things too. So all that put together, I mean, you were, and you were all that uh, before you had to go to the Mount Everest of a lot of the things that you've been through. So the Mount Everest of ass kicking. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of times when you're looking at people doing things and you, and you can kind of look at them and, and, and maybe wish that, you know, there's some part of you that could embody that or, you know, something like, I wish I could be where he is, right? Are you, or ready, something. Are you ready to go through the pain I've that it never, took to get there? Yeah, and, I will, and I'll say this in the most <laughs> loving the way possible. I've never yeah. felt that way, right? Like about, <laughs> <laughs> Because it's, it, you, yeah. you, you know, it's when I, when I see a picture of somebody on the summit of Everest and they're, you know, they're blue from lack of oxygen and they can't breathe and they're all uh, wind wind sheared or whatever. I, there's no part of me that looks at that and is like, that's on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a great compliment. <laughs> but it's also like, holy shit, yeah, that guy no. got there. Yeah. You know? And he's going to bring us uh, back down sort of, yeah. uh, I'm not going to make you like a Moses, but there's wisdom from Blankets. that mountaintop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so like if for, for the uninitiated and for like, uh, you know, the taekwondo guy in fresno or the sort of uh you have a taekwondo guy in fresno we have one that is uh, awesome no but the point is i guess just that uh uh if you were to sort of offer your pitch right you know and i know that you've uh probably got your own struggles with talking about yourself maybe not no um, how would you describe yourself to the uninitiated well i mean so not a business person either you know what i mean no so so i i I would put it in um i (sighs) I would put it into into a, a sort of a pre and post frame, right? So, um, pre uh, walking someone to the door of death and turning them over, <clears throat> it was about what did I do? It was about entrepreneur of the year. It was about blah blah blah. It was about the three pages of cred stack. Wank wank wank. Yeah. Post, it, it's about recognizing that I got a finite amount of time on the dirt ball and what I want to do with that time and and for me what that is about is about seeing the potential in anything and and then manifesting it whether that's seeing the potential in a person and saying there's no reason you can't do this right if you can see it in your head and and I get into I get into arguments with (laughs) one of our co-teachers in a class we teach uh, Ernest and I about that notion that that if you can see it in your head you can have it because i can't be an nba player even though i can probably see that in my head but within a framework of you if you can see the the, if you can see it in your head you can manifest it and Mm. i'm proof of it i mean i moved to nashville with 800 bucks 
a woman who was wanted in two states, which I didn't know about at the time we moved here, right? And I had two months, I had two months rent, no car. That's how I got here. And, uh, and, and there were no scooters then. There were no, there were, you had no yeah. bird scooters. Not only were there no scooters, you had to send a, a letter to the newspaper with a money order to get the classified ad so you could find a place to live. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was a different world. Yeah. Um, and when was this like early 90s? Early, 91. Yeah. Well, 1991. And, and then, and then to see, uh, to have that moment. Do you remember that FedEx or uh, UPS commercial? ran a bunch of years ago i've got it I'm, i'll show it to you but it's the the guys that are sitting around a computer and they're launching their e-commerce website and they and the orders start coming in and they're all like oh my god oh my god oh my god and then and then the orders are still coming in and they're like holy shit holy shit holy shit i had that moment on april 20th at midnight in 1995 and it was like i don't know what this is but this is what i'm fucking doing right and that really was what i did until I still do it. You know, I, I'm still actively engaged in this notion of um, eradicating the middlemen between a consumer and, and whatever it is they're passionate about. That, and also at the time, like, so, and you have a music background, that was, right? That's why we all came to Nashville in the mm -hmm. 90s. Ernest, you were already planted here firmly, but, uh, um, and thank you for accepting us. Uh, by the way, carpet baggies. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, <laughs> from, I'm technically from Mobile, Alabama. By the way, okay, well, came here when I was four, but I know nothing else. Well, <laughs> but some people will be like, "Well, you weren't born at Baptist Hospital. You're not a real Nashvilleian." Yeah. Oh wow, that's tight right there. Yeah, I, I'm just happy to be here. But <laughs> but, but you um you had you know uh you were a music minded person that's all of a sudden saw a massive void mixed mm. with sort of an opportunity in burgeoning technology and so what was it that you actually manifested well i mean so if you remember the band the floating men uh they had come out of effectively a, a horrible experience in the in a, in the mainstream music business and uh i was the bass player's neighbor and we would talk over the fence while our dogs would run in the backyards. And, and basically, as he described what they had, I said, well, why don't you just sell it on the internet? And, and he went, really? And I was like, sure. And, uh, and that's where it started. And it was really about then, and when I think about it in retrospect, what we were really doing is building a narrative. It was, I mean, the commerce that powered it, the enablement of the God help us, FileMaker Pro database. <laughs> yeah, combined with and this is this is at the t a time when they were running ads in the newspaper saying, "Do not put your credit card on the internet." Yeah, like it was not safe to s do anything on the internet. Yeah, and we were saying, "Give us your money for in exchange for this album, a physical album at the time." And then that band uh, had a, had a lifespan that went well beyond what it typically would have had. Yeah. Trains here, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, sorry, I gotta go, guys. And we really, in a lot of ways, did Kickstarter before Kickstarter was a thing. We were selling producer pack, ex executive producer packages in 1997 to fans of this band who we had migrated from mailing, physical mailing. They had 78,000 people on a mailing list in 1994. Wow. Yeah. And we sent cool. them, um, uh, the final mail we sent them said, we're never going to send you another piece of mail ever again. If you like this band, go to floodingman.com and sign up for our email list. And on the back of it was this beautiful photograph of their first uh, of their first album cover. And when you came to the website, that image was there and an email address and a zip code. And that's all we had. 
and then over time we drip the story out to mm-hmm. them of what we were doing it's pretty high relevance score there and then launched yeah right and then launched yeah. the commerce platform at midnight we had them st- sitting at the door of the website yeah and by the way we were you know there was a lot of duct tape and hairspray involved in getting that shit to actually work at yeah, that yeah. period and th- yeah. at that time yeah and when the first orders started coming in I, I sat there and i sat there for two hours and this was at midnight and the orders just kept coming and coming and coming and yeah. all, we we're all sitting around going what in the hell it is worked. this yeah and even with the success of something like that you don't have a, there's no we have all these assumptions we can run on now, right? If you have something like that happen, I mean, you have an array of choices available to you. Yeah. Other models you can follow, other things you can look at, but you were in the position where like, this is happening. And it's, I imagine it was quite a sort of back to like kind of the UPS commercial because you didn't tell the end of that commercial, which is that they go, oh shit, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. this is bad now. Yeah. Like our, yeah. our success is bad for us now. How are we going to do this? How are we going to, actually the, the question was, how are we going to get all these orders out? Yeah. Like it was like, oh my God. They sold more records, I think, than they had sold on their on the last record they put out over the entire span of the record. Yeah, we did that in one night. Yeah. So when you had the idea, did you know that it was possible, or were you doing that thing that you do sometimes, where you're like, "Well, here's what we should do," and then you say something that doesn't exist yet, and then we have to now go create it. <laughs> that. Yeah, it was that. I mean, we were we. Were, I was building public facing websites in '94. Hmm. right but we had I never hooked it up to commerce and I knew commerce had exist I knew commerce was out there and I knew at the time um, do you remember Telelink this is dating me yeah remember the, those uh, guys ISP? yeah the ISP yeah. those guys were buddies of mine and that's where I hosted my websites and I went over to see Scott Sears and said hey can you do e-commerce and we would I remember the first meeting we had after that we went to the to a local bank and I and I we sat down and I'm like we'd like to get a merchant number to sell music on the internet and the banker looked at me and he goes you want to sell what on the where <laughs> <laughs> and we had to go we had to go to California to get a merchant number like no bank here would get they were like what if he would said what if he would have said you want to do what over TCP/IP protocol <laughs> <laughs> by the way that would not even happen today oh, that's true right I mean. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, no, I, no, no. It's uh, but I had, I just yeah. So, so I mean, at the end of the day, that was the it, uh, the answer was yeah, no. I I was like, we'll make it up. Yeah, right. Which is kind of what you do. Well, when the canvas is that blank, it's sort of the Lewis and Clark kind of you know. It, it, you can kind of throw a rock in, in almost any direction. That's not to demean no, your, no, your no, vision, no, your, your no. theoretical sort of prowess in that time. But still, I mean, ultimately, the, the, the other, I guess the good part of it is you can kind of occupy a space just by occupying the space. But to answer, the, so to answer your question. But obviously you have to deliver. It, it, what it yeah. comes down to is, is, in a way, what you're asking me to do is to abstract my superpowers. And mm. what I figured out over time is, is that I can see around corners. Mm. So that mm. became a thing. So, so once you do it once okay once you do it again and then you do it a third time and then it's like oh wait a minute maybe i can do that see i bet you're one of those people that uh you know how like about 15 years ago there was the trend with the the weird images you stare at for a while and blur your eyes or whatever and then you can see the eagle and the american that flag was or whatever 25 years ago 25 Brian. years ago yeah yeah <laughs> so uh <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was a laggard to the whatever those things were called. Magic eye, but that, that's kind of magic eye. That's right. Uh, you, were a, you, were a, you were a wealth of weird oh, information with magic eye when I was twelve. So, but that sounds—it's sort of like 
the people that could I never could I could never see them and it made me nuts and then people that could see them they're well I mean once you see it once then you just can't not see it Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that right. kind of what yeah, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the other thing is, is then you have to be willing to be wrong. So the other abstract is cliff jumping. You have to, you, you have to be willing to jump and assume that, that there is no happy ending at the end, right? Yeah. Meaning, mm-hmm. sorry, that was a... Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> shut, shut up. Shut up, the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so, um, and and that's the other that's the other part about about the thing that I think people don't realize is is that um, if you do it, um, they don't end well all the time, and that that can <laughs> that can that can re- retract some of the the uh, confidence you have in the notion that you can see around a corner. Because sometimes you don't see this, the fist that's coming to smash you in the face. Um, and you have to be willing to get back up and keep going. But that's the fight part of this conversation. I mean, you, you yeah. have to learn from defeat. And mm-hmm. then that makes you stronger because it didn't destroy you. But I think part of it, too, is um, that you can, you can begin to um, intuit forces, opposing forces or things that are going to work against you in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, by almost just perceiving vacuums or something. It's not about, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And actually one of the things, like I was in a meeting today where basically I said, who wants this to not happen? Like that's the first thing I think about is who would want to kill this? Uh Because that helps you think about that piece of that puzzle. Mm -hmm. It's as much about manifesting it and then figuring out who would want to murder it. And I like that that's that's actually just a way more um, sort of direct and uh, sort of, Tactical, but hey, oh my god, uh, <laughs> a direct and tactical way of uh, people will say, Oh, you got to be aware of sort of politics as this kind of separate parallel construction, and maybe that's true on some level. But what you're getting at is there might be political things in a room that are going to be leading to the person wanting to be the first objector to whatever your idea is, and it's good to know that right away. Maybe it's politics, maybe it's something emotional, maybe it's some any other number of variables, but I feel like that. Uh, it's important to draw the distinction in my perception of like what you're saying is not about managing politics. It's, it's about intuiting. It's really like uh, based in sort of being an empath. Hmm. Yeah. And I, and, and also trying to, in this case, it was a, it was a healthcare conversation and it was identifying who the rat in the woodpile is and knowing that that rat does not want this to happen. Right. So that, that, that's a pure, that isn't even about politics. That's about survival. Like who wants to kill this? Yeah, and 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 how do you anticipate that as you think about how to build, and and because you 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 have to assume if you're gonna and you know we're in an age where things are things are lots up for grabs, and so the incumbents are intent on maintaining their incumbency, and if you if you think about I mean think about the music business I mean I saw an article today that an, yet another record company is suing someone they shouldn't be suing, Spotify. Like, hello, smart move? I don't think so. I mean, maybe there's an our business argument for it, but it seems like suing constituents and uh, um, giant gateways is a bad plan as a business Especially move. when you own majority shares in them, right? I mean, they don't own majority shares, but they've got, I mean, it's a weird, anyway. We, yeah. Well, we, so, well, this is, this is a good, another good point, because this is something I really want to get into for a minute. And there's a lot of different, um, so you have a lot of sort of knowledge and, and relational perspective of how these entities work from from a business standpoint, and you understand licensing, and you understand uh, royalties and publishing, and you, you yeah. understand all these things. And I would say that uh, 
I mean, a lot of musicians in lifetime, you know, long career musicians have a reasonable knowledge of those things too. But I would say in many ways, not as much as you because they're coming from a different, uh, a real ground level um, perspective of like, this is like, I make music first and how do I sell my music? And I got a call, uh, we got a call from a a friend of the show. Um, You may have seen him perform at this little concert called Woodstock that happened in 1969. Uh, when he was 19 years old he wow. stole the show and it's in the film uh, he was the uh, the drummer for Santana Michael Shreve mm. and so that was his time where he sort of you know Santana didn't even, I don't think they even had a record out at that point right and then here they are thrust on this by the way I have uh, I won't tell that story anyway about some th- anyway so uh, <laughs> there's some no good, editing there's right? some really good stories around this but uh, but anyway uh, I'll let Michael come back and tell us a little bit more about that sometime but anyway the point is uh, you know that was the the late 60s and the beginning and the death of a lot of things simultaneously and then here comes uh, Michael through you know playing in Santana until the mid 70s and then breaking off and doing all kinds of work that you know really i think are the meatiest part of uh a lot of his artistic pursuit most people just associate him with santana rock and roll hall of fame whatever i get it woodstock and and he's sort of stuck with that and people have worse problems right but um you know he made a lot of uh you know film scores and did you know worked with a lot of you know he did records with andy summers or you know he just did all these amazing projects you know through the the 80s um you know david torn and jeff beale and then worked with sean lane and jonas helborg and did stuff with bill laswell and buckethead and you know just he's touched so many different arenas and areas of music all the while always sort of doing his own thing um <laughs> and so you know I've, and i've gotten to know him obviously pretty well over the last 20 years um and you know we've worked together and stuff and that's great but he's in a position now you know that i think is a very interesting place and he had a question for you guys that was sort of uh, illuminating about like really like think about how like that was your music life and that was how it started I mean you mm-hmm. can't write this stuff yeah. like it's amazing yeah. right and then you know as as it's not 1969 anymore and, and so uh, now that you know musicians uh, have the challenge of just purely like selling music right uh, he had an interesting point of view on that I want to play for you guys hey there this is Michael Shreve calling in hey Bong the state of the music business it's very different than when I began, which was quite a while ago, of course. But it's very difficult now to sell any music. People are used to getting it for free or on a subscription basis, like Spotify and Apple. And artists make pennies that way. So it's a very difficult time right now for an artist to make a living selling music. One has to tour and tour relentlessly. And then on those tours, you can sell physical objects, vinyl, CD, cassettes, anything you want, but, and t-shirts. But it's, it's very disturbing to me and to many musicians of my age group who used to be able to make a living selling records and then touring as well. So I think the gates opened many years ago and when people got used to getting music for free and that they're not willing to pay for it they don't know in some ways what that does to musicians who are struggling to try to make the music and make a living but I find that there's 
very creative people out there, young people that are making music and getting their audience and finding ways to do it. I wish them the best in the long run because the streaming mode is paying pennies right now and that has got to change. The record labels make the money from the streaming companies like Spotify and then what's left over they give to the artists. It's pennies and it's not a good way to make a living anymore. So, right? Yeah. I've watched my family deal with that firsthand for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, my mom is a hit songwriter, seven-time number one hit songwriter, Songwriters Hall of Fame. Royalties from um, number one hits put me through college, put a roof on her head, you know, over yeah. her head, not on her head. Um, I've seen her struggle with this, and I've seen a lot of her peers struggle with this, and I get the emotional reality of that on a deep personal level because um you know at some point there will be an inheritance and it will be significantly smaller than it would have been if things hadn't changed but i think two things one the whole concept that the cheese has moved right there's this book i forget you, know, you who mean, move my cheese who move my cheese there's a lot of education that needs to happen right now among creators that's not stuff they want to do you are now a startup i didn't do it he didn't do it it just happened sorry but that's just what happened mm -hmm. and the learning curve is brutal yeah and the other problem is there's a there's a problem of the of the landscape the the, the battlefield is weird so we're going into battle uh to, to 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 survive here trying to run itunes on windows 95 Mm -hmm. The deal structures of the old music industry are not all updated for the new technology. The laws are not all updated. The the way things copyright are, laws based the, on printing press. The machine yeah. code level fundamentals of the music industry are not all upgraded to where the technology is way ahead. So there's a there's a weird, awkward zone between those two things, mm -hmm. and and some there's, there's a lot of casualties. So I think that the answer is education, and I think that's a big part of what we're doing with, with Empower. Well, and, and two things. One, I think, uh, let's be real, um, uh, the artist has always been fucked by the man. Right, I mean that's always been going on. Yeah, so, they're still making money. Uh, yeah, yeah, so let's. I mean, yeah. let's not romanticize too much about the old music business. Yeah, one, two. Um, the 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 struggle is the same for. So we teach a co teach, co -teach a class called uh, a minor in reality yeah minor in reality dot com uh, we and and we're this class which you know today I was really validated that we teach the class to who's in it we don't teach a curriculum yeah. I mean we have a curriculum but we we teach to who we're it's flexible who, right it's flexible and we have a lot of artists in this class yeah and it, it uh, it's so fascinating to hear them try to work out in their own mind what they're getting themselves into mm. right when you uh, and when you think about wh how it's changed and then you bring a guy like coffin in yeah right and you let him tell them what what it can look like you know so so i look at the whole thing and i say look i, I mean i feel bad that he's struggling right uh, you're a listener right yeah. i feel bad that that he that he sees it through the lens he's seeing it through and it's under totally understandable why he would what he's saying is true it's totally true but the reality is 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 it doesn't matter right and what i mean by that not that it doesn't matter and of course it matters to him but but the argument of of why it sh what we sh what should be changed about yeah, it yeah. right yeah 
isn't going to get changed. No, I understand. There's, it's basically um, you can try to rail against what is imminent, established, over, and done, or you or, can, you or you can, can adapt. And, adapt. And, and but the, what, what you're saying, Ernest, is that that ad- adaptation is not. Uh, it's painful. Know, it's not like watch a YouTube video and then make a couple tweaks no. and you're good or it's something. It's a painful right? learning curve, and yeah. there, there are fundamental structural problems at the deep fundamental level. With that's not all moved over yet. So there's people caught in between worlds, you know. Um, I had a conversation with someone at the RIAA about 15 years ago at a gig that I, I played bass in my mom's band for a while. Uh, I was actually a utility player, so I played whatever she needed. It was great. It's like being like water. It's like, oh, you want to do, you're going to do drums today, right? Sure, whatever. Uh, and we did this gig at, in Congress for the congressional staff, and there were some RIAA people there, and it was back when Napster was getting. Uh, or not not Napster when the record labels were suing 12 year old girls and like for downloading music and the whole Napster thing was freaking everyone out and and I I said to the guy I was like so could we come up with some creative ways of monetizing this stuff where like you guys I didn't I was very naive you guys are the industry leaders right you're gonna let's hey let's talk about uh, downloadable digital files and, and how the revenue streams could be split up and so that we could have affiliate commissions given to people who share the music like let's yeah. monetize Napster, and yeah. and and it was like, uh? yeah, no, let's sue well, people. Oh, let me just say this real quick. In 1999, so I, all right, well, I moved here from I, my trajectory has been sort of North Carolina, New York, Seattle to Nashville, back to New York, back to Nashville. But anyway, when I moved from Seattle to Nashville in 1998, I got here and I thought that I had moved to a third world country. <laughs> I mean, it was, and here's the thing: I grew up in like the country. It wasn't about there the country. There weren't any condos yet, it, it, right? Now it's now that we got mixed use development it's, condos. Now it's a little too first world. Yeah, now we're uh, doing great. No, but but the point is just that uh, uh, I I couldn't believe how how much naivete there was in, uh, across music people that I talked to about technology and how it, it, the, the fear and the the level of yeah. sort of you know and and uh, and I remember in the you are so Nashville if you know in the Nashville scene oh, yeah. yep. that had that column in 1998 I put in the entry and it said you are so Nashville if you think mp3s are bad for the music industry but don't know how to download them <laughs> and then just as a little um, yeah. a little trick here in 2012 I think it was I submitted the same exact thing and it got published again published again 14 <laughs> years later <laughs> can i just put a fine point on what you're what you were describing if you took at their peak napster had 60 million users if you went to those users and said hey we're not changing anything except this we're going to charge you three bucks a month that's it that's the only change that's 180 million dollars a month in income times 12 months is <laughs> 2.16 billion dollars now let's divide that by two right and we're going to give $1.08 billion to the industry pro rata based on market share. And we're going to take the other $1.08 billion and invest it in R&D. Hmm. And we're going, to, uh, we're going to basically eliminate the entire supply chain, the manufacturing business, the shipping business, the racking business, and all the other bullshit associated with it. So we're going to strip a whole bunch of cost out of our business. And that's where we're going to start the new music business. But what we did instead was attempted to use what Big Steel tried in the 50s, which was to legislate and litigate market share. And how did that work out for us? Not very well. And and the reality is, is that the industry over the last 100 years has literally attempted to, to prevent 
innovation at every turn. There are five major events over the course of, of the history of the music business. Every time it got smaller, when it resisted, and then when it finally adopted, it got at least five times bigger. The new music business over the next 10 years is a $100 billion business, period, end of story. Mm. And all you have to do is track to this, to cell phone growth globally. Mm. Yeah, and look at look. That's I mean, the conduit. That's the conduit. And look at look. I mean, Taylor Swift is, and I I'm a Taylor fan for you know. As, I, I don't Shout know how we draw that. Yeah, right. Exactly. How do you go from Queensrÿche to Taylor Swift? But she is the first global su- su- global superstar birthed by the internet. Yeah, that's yeah. what she represents. Yeah, she truly is a global presence. There's something clearly. There's something exponential that's going on on all levels, mm-hmm. not even just about numbers. And whether you, uh, irrespective of where you come down on on the quote unquote art of what she does yeah it 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 lands yeah it, it, it works <laughs> yeah it's not a and it seems to be uh sustained well there's, there's a definitely a perception out there um among songwriters that they're not at the table in the same way as artists um because you know they're not getting the mailbox money in the same way they have the the revenue streams are different but that was a bubble and they're confusing that was a bubble oh, it absolutely was a bubble. cd sales was a bubble but that's where the education thing becomes a big a big issue i mean i remember reading umer hawk i don't know if you're familiar with him he's an economist he's an intellectual guy and he writes brilliant stuff and he talked about the music industry bubble and i read that in like 2007 2008 and it and it blew my mind i was like the whole world i grew up in was a bubble so, but how do you tell that to somebody who doesn't know how to find that cheese that's moved? You got to educate them somehow, hmm. um, because it doesn't matter if you're right. Um, you know, people are struggling, and that's where I go back to this Windows ninety five trying to run iTunes twelve. Yeah, there, there are some fundamentals here that are still messed up and broken. There are hard coded, deep uh, yes. rooted problems. Yes. Quick, yeah. One quick little anecdote here. So I I found out today, and I can't remember who I was in a meeting with somebody, and they said, "You know how MMA got passed, or how it got going, was Orrin Hatch and the other co-sponsor of the bill made a record, and when they found out how little they earned <laughs> on a on a per yeah. play basis, oops, they got behind it, like that little thing." was the thing that made me to have a, an actual experience that was the yeah. basis of my knowledge. suggestion and my idea that that i brought to the ria so funny. ria guy it's was funny and horrible yeah if <laughs> if the fans are actually making affiliate commission on sales for downloaded music then they won't want to steal it because they're getting paid mm-hmm. yeah and now i know that that's kind of crazy and burn lounge didn't work but let's think about that there's probably some way for that to be a starting point yeah. and eventually end up on something interesting that's the same idea. You've got these decision makers, these these people who can influence at a high level. Now all of a sudden they're looking at the low payment going, "Oh, we got to do something." So, so and what you're sort of drawing out there, I feel like is there's another component to this that a caller had a question about um, that I want to play because I think it actually raises another question that could, this could be very much like a, a contributor to sort of what you're talking about or it could be perhaps just an outcome i don't know you have to hear the question uh it's from uh craig havagerst shout out to craig havagerst. Oh, i love him love yeah. craig hello gentlemen this is your friend and admirer craig havagerst with a question or uh, i'd like you to react to my uh unpopular opinion oh the unpopular opinion is that in the indie sector too many flowers have bloomed there are far too many people um putting themselves forward in the marketplace as artists they may be good but not great and that the sheer abundance the sheer supply 
which of course in economics brings down the value of something, is uh, creating a bit of a of a glut of uh, content, and we have too few gatekeepers to uh, pare that content down to a manageable choice for the average music consumer. There are too many good but not great albums being released in every genre of music for even a music critic to keep up with. And this oversupply, this abundance of art, is not good for art. I'd love to hear your reactions to that. Sayonara. I can't agree with the last statement in any way at all, because I don't think there's such thing as an overabundance of art that's bad for anything. I think you need fertilizer to till the soil in your garden. However, I do have a one-word response to the first part, which is Reverb Nation. It's just full, overflowing sewer of yeah. self-promoting people that are going in circles yeah. that are that are just becoming a user base for someone else to monetize, and they're just there. They're the product. I, th- I think that that's that someone is called Guitar Guitar Center. Yeah, they're the product. So I think I think he's right in some ways, and I think in other ways, um, the off base about creativity, like somehow needing to be curated in some some way that's controlled like i think it should all be a free-for-all i think this is the one area where the libertarian wet dream of a completely free market (laughs) Uh with no restrictions does apply yeah Yeah. and i think i think cream rises to the top i mean uh, and if uh, i think a really good sort of manifestation of that right now is is the musgraves record right which no one saw coming got got no love at any of the traditional outlets and cleaned up yeah right and and to me that is about the connection from the ear to the heart and that is an undeniable thing and the that sheer amount of talent behind that record is you know shout out to daniel tashin uh yeah. old friend congratulations to him and all the others associated yeah. with that project but but that was just cream rising to the top yeah yeah but but to to play the devil's advocate and agree with some of what he's saying too uh how much cream didn't rise to the top because it got lost in the noise right well and 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 then there's some cream in the bottom that got stuck down there sure and but that's a byproduct of how it works one as a piece of cream i don't like that (laughs) (laughs) ditto Uh, um another epitaph candidate yeah right but but i think the other thing is is that and and i do agree with him on one level which is just because you can make a record doesn't mean you should right and 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 yet on the other side of it Oh, 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 God love anyone who wants to make a yeah, record. but like, what? Who, like cares? who cares? Right? I mean, uh, I, maybe, maybe Craig's perspective is also, you know, because he mentioned, uh, you know, critics and music reviewers and people that are sort of the uh, in this position to sort of find things and then propel things in perhaps some way or another. That's why God invented podcasts. Oh, there you go. And uh, and I'm sure that there's a lot of ways to just fake that you really went deeply through a giant catalog of music and just look at other people's. Everybody's gone to the depths of the sea of whatever, and you can find, I think, uh, in sort of terraced kind of curated levels, uh, you can get into subcultures or find little pathways down little lanes, and people have already done some sorting for you, like sort mm-hmm. of wherever you go. But how many hundreds of hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every day? What is it like? Oh, it's an enormous amount. So, yeah. so let's look at that and, th- and and realize that Craig has a point because it is physically humanly impossible to curate past a certain point, which means you have to get an algorithm to do it. So now the algorithm's in charge. And what mm-hmm. if that algorithm yeah. decides, you know, like Terminator sort of, you know, like mm-hmm. wh- what if that algorithm turns into like, do, do you remember that Microsoft Twitter channel or what was it? Instagram channel? I forget what it was. Microsoft or some similar company. Maybe it was a different company. You, you guys need to correct me on this, but they, they, they had a, a machine learning algorithm 
doing social media posting that went awry and it went crazy and turned into like a teenaged nazi sex robot (laughs) now do i want that band name right there if i ever heard a band name do i want that to curate my playlist and then i'll give that to craig i mean maybe craig would like do you think he'd like that only in that one instance but like past a certain point humans can't do it yeah so that's yeah, significant. drinking from a fire hose at all times or whatever you want to call it. I, I mean, I get it. Well, I think we're arriving at something that is just kind of like what we talked about with uh, digital music technology. There's an imminent, like, it's here. So we're, we can... <laughs> There's there's options here. The uh, genie's out in the history, like <laughs> in history, people have taken certain measures that we probably wouldn't consider to be the pathway now mm. uh, to sort of curate um, a lot of uh, even humanity itself. Mm-hmm. So we have to find like some way to hmm. cultivate uh, a broader, more resolute, or an- add another dimension to whatever the ecosystem is. Slowly, Brian turned into Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> well, and I, think I am become death, destroyer <laughs> of worlds. It was so weird. How I actually, I actually levitated about three inches. <laughs> I saw you. I was talking. He put quotes around curate. Well, I think. Yeah, the, yeah. I, think I hate the, that word so much. The other thing to the other uh, thing to do is is, is uh, look at the longer sine waves. Right, and so when you when you contemplate what is happening now, this happened. This has happened before. It was called the Gutenberg Revolution, mm, right? Yeah. And and on the long sine wave, we're, we're what it took five hundred years to occur last time is taking fifty this time, yeah. right? And, w- and that is the digitization of the entire human experience is happening. We're yeah. we're in we're we're, at, we're towards the end of it in a way and now the production going forward is a new production so what do you what can you learn from what happened in gutenberg and the answer is we got the age of enlightenment we also got a lot we got a lot of crap in between the revolution and the and enlightenment right and where are we headed next uh, there's some there's some previous indicators that might show where it might go what would this be well so uh, i mean broadly it is the, uh, there was a very there was a tumultuous moment during Gutenberg and as as it evolved and what came out of it was an age, an a, age to be clear by the way for the listener we're not talking about Steve Gutenberg from Police Academy no we're not no we're, we're not talking about, we're talking about the I'm printing so press and the yeah. printing press right land I'm the plane so the lost. impact the impact of the printing press and yes. and and when you look at art flourished and when you look yeah. at what what and and uh, in in the in the old model. The church had a, a, a tremendous amount of power and was disintermediated from a lot of that power. Now they're still here, but their power is sig- significantly less. And look at how they're being disintermediated again, because now the truth is out. You can't hide. Now there's also a lot of misinformation, which was part of what happened in Gutenberg one. Mm. So you can look backwards and say, all right, so who were the old winners that turned into the new losers? And you then can take that to today and say. Who, who are the who are the incumbent who are the incumbents and where what happened to them and who emerged yeah it's almost like you know when the tide goes out and you can see what starfish are still sort of clinging on they sort of self-identify as like oh these are the people to eat know, e- either to eat, eat or either model yourself after in some <laughs> respect or more than likely just eat it's gonna be one extreme or the other mm-hmm. yeah that's really interesting so, um, you, can you tell all the listeners now exactly what the future of all of this is with respect to just this music path we've been on for a minute? What what happens next? What, what, what is our what is our Nirvana? Read Kurzweil and just put the word music in all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I have this belief too that there is something 
and maybe this might help or not help but sort of feed some of what Craig was talking about uh, but clearly as much as dig- digitization and all of these impacts of all of that um, are real I think there's also just this this strange I mean in, the hipster culture is based on I think the idea that these people haven't had experiences and tactile experiences and so they they have hyper refined and made of utter importance craftsmanship and uniqueness in yeah. a lot of these ways to the point where I mean when I saw a mayonnaise store in Brooklyn I knew that something a mayonnaise store yeah I knew that one we were very far away from a recent famine or war because uh, or about, or <laughs> oh, right about to like, have one like, wait a minute there hasn't, been a, there hasn't been a bread line in 50 years which by the way if you are going to open a bread store open it next to the mayonnaise store just my advice <laughs> so uh, literally a mayonnaise store literally okay the, I was totally you I guess what I'm saying is like, that like, took Mark a second and usually so I guess it doesn't I, take him a yeah. second but it did just I then. guess I'm just talking I, you know look at how um, you know vinyl has made a comeback right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is clearly documented and to the point of you know, ad nauseum but why is that you know, and what yeah. does it offer? I think the latter and hierarchy. And by the way, it's not fidelity, even though we know it's actually fidelity. If you're listening on a good system, yeah. I would say what I want to stat on this: like 63 percent of vinyl pressed in the last two years is being listened to on a 65 dollar crossly plastic thing that you got from Urban Outfitters. It's it, that, it, and and that's kind of back to the so, que- that's back to the previous question, which is yeah. it's something else. It, it it's certainly it's music right it's an experience it's yeah there's some other thing it's there's it's a value a, to objects is mm-hmm. my point i guess that is back up at a sort of premium well we're back to paper and pencil now with with uh with students and i noticed this in my music teaching that students would 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 get off devices and write things down and have a notebook a physical notebook you know and i noticed this in the classes we're teaching college students and it, you know that i feel like is intentional it's not just because they're students and yes students have paper and pencil but like they could be doing everything on a phone and a tablet and a computer but there's plenty that don't i was going to say it's about half and half i've noticed so yeah but it's it's more than you would think if you think it's all swinging to just a a virtual experience well all right so uh, i'm gonna hit you guys with another question because here's the thing like uh i think the Part of the, the part of this sort of complexion that we've been kind of talking around, and I wish uh, that we could do this uh, again and again. And uh, I'm not saying we're stopping. I'm just saying, holy shit, this is immense. This is awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you, by the way. Um, so I, I believe that there's also a component about just you know IP and copyright and ownership and what is art and sampling culture and the ownership of ideas and the pedagogy of ideas. Like there's that whole lane or thread. I think is actually like sort of the the blood of what needs to be fighting this battle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's to me the, the DNA or the, so the most elemental framework is if we can evolve how we perceive uh, ownership of ideas and impetus and, and all of that. And so here, check out this question. And this is from a, a music tech company. Uh, check this out. Hi, this is Rachel Francine. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Musical Health Technologies. Uh, What we do is we actually scale music as medicine. One of the big challenges for us when we started our company was getting the the licenses to the music that we needed. We had a little bit of an easier time because of 
the fact that we are really out there trying to help people with dementia and chronic breathing disorders. So a lot of the a lot of the um, larger and smaller publishers were more willing to sign on with us, but it frankly took really expensive lawyers to make that happen. So my question to you is both for us and for other aspiring entrepreneurs in the music space, what's your recommendation on how to navigate the music licensing space, both from a publishing and master's perspective? Get, get really expensive lawyers. We're back to run, she's trying to run iTunes on Windows 95. Yeah. And it That's doesn't exactly work. Right. She's got to hire someone to code, special code. Law is code. Mm-hmm. You're right. So we need to update the code. How do we do that, Ernest? You hire expensive lawyers. I mean, here's where you get. Here, this is the unfortunate reality, right? <laughs> I believe you. But I mean, the the, ga- the game that is that is the U.S. economy and the associated. Um, uh, I was going to use the word esteem lawmakers, but I don't think I can put those two things together, right? Stretch. And 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 the 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 recognition that that whole game is rigged. Yeah. Right. It's about who can buy influence. And that's unfortunately how it works. So the answer is, you know, there's the golden rule is he who has the gold makes the rules. And I hate that rule. We're we're on paper now, though. It's all fiat. You've got to audit the Fed. Right. So they know where the gold is. But the the point is, is that (laughs) that that is a that is that is the unfortunate reality of doing a music tech startup. You just that is just you're just that just is what it is. And that's how you have to approach. You, You can't the system is not going to allow what's the, the the first rule of bureaucracy is protect the bureaucracy the second rule is see rule one there's the loop yeah so how do you fix that well you get a really expensive lawyers i suppose you could also look to sort of think about ultimately the more value you have the easier this will be to conquer or you would think right i mean i'm not saying that's universal or empirically true mm-hmm. but it seems like that would be the case so it's almost like you'd have to create some sort of bolstering for your model that is really specifically designed to sort of be the kind of shock absorbers for that um, opposing force of cost and, and bureaucracy in mm-hmm. front of you. But you would almost have to, I feel like, line up sort of pistons to do that. Like, I don't think that you could leave yourself just fully open to sort of the, the tide. Well, I think you got, I think that, I mean, uh, one of the direct answers is, is uh, create your own copyrights and, mm-hmm. and you utilize, I mean, a combination of there, there's a giant 1099 workforce out there, right? And write creative briefs and, and create a business model where you don't, you aren't reliant on traditional publishing master owners to provide you content for your business. That's a yeah. huge, that's, but that's as big a hill to climb as the other one. The difference is, is, at least on that hill, you're in control of your own destiny. Yeah. Well, that's why yeah. in, in my music teaching, I like to, to get everyone composing and improvising because I think the most revolutionary idea that, of course, is kind of one of your type ideas was like, hey, we don't need to buy music because we can just go make some. I, I don't need to, to buy your milk. I have a cow. You know, I'll just go yeah. get some milk. You know, yeah. I think the, the idea the, that everyone can be creative is scary to some people because they don't feel like they can. But now no, we're no, now no, we're, no, we're back to Craig's idea, I, though, I'm right? Not saying, right? But I'm yeah. not saying that that's a practical solution. But I'm saying sure. that it's an abstract solution to say, 
uh, okay, well, the ladder of hierarchy has already turned itself on on its side. Yeah. Everything's getting more and more horizontal in certain ways. Well, here's what I think is interesting is that, so in the nature of, of that business, they're using music therapeutically for people that are, so there's essentially like a sing-along app. Yeah. yeah. And, yep. and so that and that's requires melodic familiarity as a precept. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so. Yeah. Challenge. Right. And, and but then, in, again, we're back to this idea that well, then, if that's your premise, welcome yeah. to the construct. Right. And deal with it. But yeah. the premise, let's, let's go <laughs> yeah, down sorry. to the premise. Let's no, go that's, a level deeper. That's, that's, that's legit. Why is the premise that there must be a certain privileged class of individuals who are more special than everyone else who stand up on a stage that we all sit front-facing, and then there's that fourth wall that get to represent high-level art and creativity, and then we just hand them money and then sit there passively and absorb yeah. it? Yeah. Like, I get that that's a cool thing, but like what if if everybody was a creator and so what would wake people up in mass for them to all start doing that it would probably it would probably create problems for the curators out there but i mean <laughs> sorry like you know what i i teach music to kids and those kids they have like spiritual transformations when you show them how to play a d major chord on a guitar mm. that's what it's about it's about transformation it's about beauty it's about everyone gets to experience it everyone can have a cow in their backyard well, we don't need a milkman anymore yeah but this is and but, but i know that's a little right the that's the, and this goes the, i feel you though that's where i'm coming from i know we're not necessarily yeah. all, not everyone's coming with me but you know i'm the guy out screaming in the wind sometimes well the answer and the answer is is that that there i mean there is no answer and there's an answer uh, and and i and there's a price to pay either way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a big price to pay. Because as a revolutionary or as a person that's, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's why I don't, re- it's why I never invest in music tech companies that have a reliance on getting licenses for content. Yeah. It's but just a, it's just a, it's a giant rabbit hole that you, that is very difficult to navigate. It would be in the same way that uh, if you, it was some profession or some investment that required just an inordinate amount of insurance because of the nature of whatever crazy whatever whatever spacex pays for i don't know you know what i mean like like we were so insurance company what we want to do is make a rocket ourselves <laughs> and then fly to mars <laughs> so i mean it will sort of i suppose the planet earth would be at risk uh, <laughs> could be anywhere depending on what time of day uh so what do you guys think like what's the d- deductible like you know 500 or a thousand nationwide is on your side <laughs> but i mean you know oh sorry you're gonna get sued for that aren't you so i mean ultimately you're it's fair that? use Okay. Yeah. So I mean, you have to choose your your battles. I mean, that makes sense. Um, so I, I, I don't want to make I want to make sure that we hear at least Joe's voice on this podcast, and he had something for you guys. I wanted to run by you. Uh, so well, let's just pretend that Joe has cozied up with us here in the studio, and and he's just saying hi, and then he's going to talk. Uh, this message is uh, he's really having to talk loud because there's airplanes or something. I think he's in a war zone. I don't know what he's doing. Hey everybody, this is Joe calling in. Sorry I couldn't be there for the podcast today. I wanted to ask a question of the guest. There's a plane going over my head right now. I'm in Donaldson. Um, uh, but I wanted to ask a question. You know, we usually see that um, creativity and business can often, uh, you know, art and commerce can often be at odds. But I'm wondering if the guest could speak to the fact that sometimes um, uh, creating a product and packaging and promoting that product might also be uh, creatively inspirational. Thanks. Hmm. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I think there's like a, well, what do you got? It's literally the exact same thing. Yeah. I'm yeah, trying my, to think my, of something my smart answer, to say. No, my like, answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, of course. 
I don't know how to elaborate on that. That was actually very well stated. <laughs> That's completely right on. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, <sighs> if you do it, I mean, here's the thing. If you do it right, um, it, you should be able to get both. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, if you have a, a young one coming up that you can tell is like, I'm, I'm doing this, man. You know, you can see it in their eighth oh, grade. Yeah you know stargaze spiral eyed whatever you know, they heard pantera and they were like oh my god this you know um little me right yeah. uh what are, you know can you imagine discovering pantera now you'd be like what this is a vintage like in the way that we would listen back to like a okay. Jimi hendrix record electric ladyland yeah you know would be this weird yeah. kind of cowboys from hell is a vintage record now yeah fully it's so nuts it's a uh, great, great record um, well, yeah, so, you know, and then in terms of Nashville itself, I wanted to kind of throw another one in here, too, because you guys, uh, while you're dealing with things that I think have obviously a, a broad impact in a lot of places, uh, you guys are certainly uh, woven into the city um, in various ways. Obviously, Ernest, your family and, and Mark, all the stuff that you've built and done and, and all that. So uh, I got a great question here about sort of uh, the state of Nashville. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a, a launch for the for the last kind of a run that I'd like to be on with you guys because I'd like to come out of it with you know something that feels like I feel like I've got a tangible yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't mean to treat this like a meeting right but this is what we do right yeah you know, it's like we're gonna, we're gonna so, have some, we're gonna have some action, action items. items let's go <laughs> uh, I'll drop it all in Monday hopefully the listeners have some action items right I mean I feel like there's there's a charge about what we're talking about that makes you kind of just want to go do something but you should just not go punch a wall uh, or maybe start there and then mm-hmm. do the next thing that you want to do. But uh, the right I'll play this one out for you uh, real quick. Hi, guys. My name is Michelle Brown, um, and I was wondering if your guest today could do me a favor and describe the artistic and creative climate in Nashville that they feel right now for themselves and how this may be different from other creative climates that they might have worked in in the past what's unique about it um and what do they love about it and what do they not like about it hmm. Hmm. well i i mean i i like the fact that there's all these recycled musicians that have a, a common language that are reappearing in other fields that are doing really revolutionary amazing stuff and creating new ideas and going and building things um as Mark says, cliff jumping, you know, cliff jumpers. And we we learned to do this kind of thing in the crucible of being in bands, making records, doing playing gigs, being on the road, learning our craft, but then it translates over to everything else. I think that's probably not unique to Nashville, but Nashville's known as Music City, so we have a probably the a highest surplus. concentration yeah. of people that and it's strange because maybe in the if you're in your 20s or 30s you see people like that and you yeah. think, "Oh, they went for a music dream and they failed somehow." No, and, that, so, that and so was, now yeah. they're doing this thing, but that's it's not failure though. It's it's one step after the next. Right. There's Once a progression. Once you get a little wiser, you realize like, "Oh, these people are actually folding yeah. and and amplifying what they're doing." Now, to and, me, uh, failure is repeating yourself until death. Yeah. And and I would not like to do that. I would like to always I don't want to go in circles. I want to spiral. I might come past the same point that I look down at and I see that but the spiral's always moving up. I've heard fail fast. I've heard fail upward. I've never heard fail outward. Oh, that's good. Hmm. But yeah, but I mean I think the, the 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 negative side for me is um is seeing a lot of cultural treasures destroyed. Seeing seeing a lot of Yeah. I mean 
buildings are, are you just, talking about the gold rush again uh, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like every day there's something like that that, that you know you, you sort of dig around and find out that it's just be a wrecking ball and you know i get it there's an economy it's a free market you can buy stuff and knock it down but we don't have the same kind of respect and reverence for old architecture as a lot of the great cities of the world that are only great because they've had that for hundreds yeah, of years yeah, that's spot on um so I, I see that as a problem that needs to be dealt with and something that's so close to the impetus of, of what the th- what people are buying in Nashville now is a secondary, vague facsimile, like as David Byrne said, <laughs> a, an advertisement for a version of like it's you. Well, I mean, look if you look downtown, yeah, uh, what you see is you could be in any city. It's Destin without a beach. Yeah, but but on the, on the not pop- yet. I mean, it'll well, get there. I mean, some free Some of the uh, some of the theme bars are a little authentic, but for the most part, you're right. Yeah. yeah no, uh, what I would say is is that it, uh, to me the the thing that makes this place special is the com- the the fabric of the community, and the willingness. You can get a meeting with pretty much anybody here, right? And and that's really powerful. Uh, and I think. What, that's also what scares me is is that that fabric is being pulled and and there's there's people who are who are coming here who don't necessarily understand it and and there's a downside to that fabric too right the good old boy network is alive and well yeah right yeah, and and yeah. so there's everything has a, everything is a two-edged a two-edged sword yeah um but the, the there is a there is a community here that i think has managed to sustain itself over a long period of time and and when you look at the city over uh, over its history it, it has deep entre- entrepreneurial roots that i think we're benefiting from today and yet w- we could benefit so much more from if we if we all this city needs a new mission it, we need a new north star and we don't have one right now and i think that that to me is the opportunity and the problem is is a lack of one and interesting that the origins are actually in publishing in bible publishing mm. yeah and that brings and, us back to the gutenberg <laughs> like yeah. almost like quite and directly book, yeah book publishing and and yeah i mean there's it's it's a fascinating it, it it's a really fascinating place to be it's there's a lot there's a lot here there's a lot of you know deep dark corners of this place yeah it's almost like a you know when the, when plates come together and, and push up the you know and become land and become the Himalayas, it's like there's this weird sort of tectonic uh, collision mm-hmm. that is just pushing, you know, and displacing. There's displacement. There's like all the sort of it's culturally like sort of that type of an, of an event. Mm-hmm. It seems like, and we're in this rare window because, I mean, now we're gonna. It's gonna be strange that everything's at this parity in terms of like development. You think about like there's six thousand new houses within one mile of here within the last five years mm-hmm. wow i did not know that number and so that and so for mm-hmm. listeners it's basically like a uh you know sort of i guess uh lower middle class neighborhood historically but but significant and a really great neighborhood but certainly not without its problems but you know the houses were like 800 square foot a thousand square foot 1200 square foot and developers have come in and raised essentially the entire previous neighborhood and then put in two to one density on each lot um all of these houses and so an entirely new flock of people come into this immediate area and this is reflected in happening elsewhere in the city and i'm sure it's happening in probably your city too wherever you're listening but but for us it's been this strange uh all like if this is all happening in five years essentially 
then we're now at some sort of development parity where like the the v2 of whatever this is is going to sort of come about kind of at the same time whereas i feel like we had stuff that was sort of naturally more organically staggered mm-hmm. across time which actually provides a sort of pause and this ability to sort of uh an ability to sort of take a take a second and kind of go oh we should evaluate okay victorian architecture well that's this whole town used to be victorian architecture so perhaps we should put in your you yeah. know people want to tear down the prison some people want to save their prison they should save the prison because it's one of the last things that looks like how everything used to look but if you had creative people in charge they would get creative about it and figure out a way to save it yeah. and put something in it that actually did something cool like yeah. you know i mean there's always a way yeah you have to be creative though and creative means you're starting with nothing you're looking at a blank piece of paper and there's nothing on it and then you're the one that's putting that thing there and that takes courage and it, it, it can be frightening mentally for some people to do that but i think that's harder than taking the money and running so um so <laughs> what? what are you looking at <laughs> nothing so, so so do you feel like <laughs> the, the, do you have some role to play in that or have you do you feel like you've found or maximized you know uh, because you you know being a native nashvillian with all yeah. these insights and capabilities yeah. and doing all the things right do you feel like that you've you're kind of caring as much as you can about that or well, do you feel I'm, like I'm a witness I'm a witness and I'm gathering yeah. experience and I'm you know some of the people I work with have um, interest in preserving what's good about Nashville mm-hmm. you know preserving the places putting successful businesses inside of older buildings to preserve them and, and tell a story you know yeah. I think that's that's what it's all about really is is preserving things in a way that actually makes economic sense so you're not just forcing it to still be there and it's just crumbling and not doing anything right like you're actually doing something smart and creative with it's a little bit more dimensional than just a singular act of defiance or resistance yeah i I think it's it's not enough to just complain and say that oh you know this this isn't what we want i mean the, the best people come along and build new things that refresh without and but they don't throw everything away but maybe you put something inside that building yeah. maybe you build that building up an extra couple of floors and and revamp it and then there you go you got the ink building you know i mean you got yeah you've there's there's a certain amount of preservation and then there's renewal at the same time so the last thing i just really want to get your point of view on while you're here i, I feel more like a beat reporter than probably any other uh podcast we've done because this is too much brain power at one one table and you guys sometimes just uh force uh me to think harder than my think machine want to actually go uh but i always appreciate <laughs> want to actually go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i appreciate the uh the sincere workout at all times so no the, the, in all seriousness the last you guys have a pretty good perspective on what's happening with cannabis and legislature mm-hmm. uh in and around tennessee does and anyone have a good a good knowledge have, of that I, well here's the thing well <laughs> you you know what you know but i uh, i got a uh, there's a caller from chicago that had something to ask in and around just so happened to be around uh, a business for uh, a cbd related business so i just thought i'd hit you guys with it see what's up hi this is red in chicago and i have a question that's pretty specific it's about advertising hemp cbd for sale online and my question goes like this you know recently um, while there have been a lot of gray areas and a lot of controversy around this product, this category, with the most recent passage of the, the farm bill, I think you could make the case we've seen a real lessening of um, 
roadblocks in things like credit card processing, uh, companies like U.S. Bank that are pretty well-established and mainstream and maybe aren't uh, price gouging on, on processing so much have opened up. But in terms of advertising uh, a legal hemp CBD product online, it seems like Facebook, um, Google AdWords, those kind of venues are still out of reach or, you know, off limits and can even affect other projects, which I've seen here recently. So my question is, where do you think there are unique opportunities to market uh, a hemp CBD product for sale online? And are there any um, real differences you have about uh, my opinion there on how things are changing in terms of marketing that? Do you think that uh, the future is getting brighter? Or um, what direction do you think folks that are marketing legal hemp CBD products should go in? Uh, two things. Uh, one, direct mail. I know that sounds completely weird. OG. Right? Uh, and two, I think the future inevitably is brighter. I think it w- it we're in the beginning of the education process. And I think the, rea- the reality is, is, is le- uh, m- marijuana, the, the cannabis side of this, right, which is the cousin to hemp, uh, is going to be legalized nationally. It's, it is a foregone conclusion, in my opinion. And when when that catches, when this all catches up, then it, because t- to a lot of people, weed's just weed. And they don't they don't understand the differential and it and you're never gonna you're they're never gonna care enough to not to educate themselves enough to make a decision about whether they should allow an ad to happen or mm-hmm. not. So to me you gotta work a little bit around how things work now and and then wait for the inevitable acceptance. Because the, uh, the, the the reality is is that that plant has been demonized through generations and generations of people who are in control of the system and and they simply just i mean and and here's the bellwether right john boehner 10 years ago over my dead body Mm. is now the chairman of the board of the largest cannabis investment firm in the u.s there's your answer better late than never i guess so so i think the 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 good news is is it's coming the bad news is it ain't here yet and so then you got to figure out a way around it and and direct mail there's all pebble post go to Mm. check pebble post out and when you think about the characteristics of the consumer that would purchase your product, it's not very hard to get into their mailbox. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty damn tactical straight you're, ahead. You're welcome. Call me. Yeah. I, I would layer on top of Love that, you. um, lifestyle branding rather than, um, product branding. And yeah. because if, if you brand it as, as a lifestyle of wholeness and health, yeah. um, rather than, uh, some tactical implementation of a, of a formula of a, of a thing in a dropper or a pill or, you know, like, Short bar graphs of like efficacy of anything doesn't matter. Well, I, I just you're you're at, you could have ads for uh, all kinds of lifestyle based businesses where people gather and they just so happen to also have a shelf over there that has other things on it that are completely legal, but the payment processors that dominate the platforms haven't caught up yet. You know, basically we're dealing with a deplatforming issue. It's an episode of Black Mirror. You know, it's totally legal. It's medicinal. It's not even, you know, in this state, it's not even the stuff that gets you high. It's the stuff that, that, you know, 10-year-old girls who have epilepsy can take and it can stop their seizures and save their life. And, you know, what what good person would not support that, but yet it's still illegal to run AdWords and Facebook ad campaigns on it. So how do you get around that? Yeah, direct mail for sure. 
but lifestyle branding you 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 don't focus on the hemp or the weed part of it don't sell that that's Mm. not what it's about it's about the the outcome of of a medicinal product right what's the what's like the yeah outcome? how do you take what was you know whatever however they did the patriot act do that <laughs> <laughs> go shopping <laughs> go we, shopping for america was that what we're talking about yeah, right. i think that was it actually the shopping bags yeah. well yeah i mean i so it's interesting how there's uh the from the music piece we talked about to this and i'm sure you guys live in this all the time and you're like yes these are the four rooms that we're in all the time that look exactly the same they're they're painful uh acknowledgements of of old policy and waiting for some people to like kick off or for the money to finally convince people like boehner to sort of just (laughs) abandon all face (laughs) you know well quite a face with him too but uh but you know what i mean like it's it's really interesting how all of those like whatever was going on when you were 16 in your room in the basement listening to an electric ladyland record you're trying to like just smoke a joint and your mom doesn't smell it or whatever upstairs all the things that surrounded you then are now in contest now like the, the music <laughs> just the weed like everything like why can't we just and everybody we just want to hang out man <laughs> you know that's how I look at it. Well, you know, Bill Hicks. We just want to hang out. I think Bill Hicks said that if we all realized that everything was all one thing and it was all an inseparable union, that it would really ruin the economy. <laughs> Sing- the singularity, yeah, uh, would be terrible for business. <laughs> we realize we're all one, and you know, that's just yeah, no more economy. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <God>. So <laughs> that would ruin a lot of business models. I yeah, hundred percent. Well, here's the thing. I think that. Like, what do you think is going to be like, the biggest failure that's happening right now that is trying to address anything in the sphere of what we're talking about? Whatever the Democratic Party is doing. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like- <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's- whatever they, whatever they're about to do, whatever they say they're going to do, they really should call me back because I have some good ideas. All right. Um, Sorry, so- guys. <laughs> Well, um, that's a so Ernest. I'd love to alert the Democratic Party and let them know how they can find you. Brandtherapygroup.com. Brandtherapygroup. They badly need brand therapy. They they do. And real yeah. quick, so brand therapy. If people want brand therapy, or do they want it, or do yeah. they, they they think they want it and then they can't handle it, or oh, they can usually handle it. Yeah, yeah. But basically, you're you're. You're, you're, uh, this is your, what you said you were in between brands now. Well, yeah, we, we had a different name and it's, it's shifting over to brand therapy group because okay. that more accurately describes the brand and you yeah. might as well have a brand that really describes what you do. If yeah. you're you got to eat your branding. own dog food. Yeah. You got to eat your own dog food. Yeah. To say that. Uh, and then, so if listeners want to find out like what's the latest with you, that's where they go yeah. or, or you can, you're on Twitter here somewhere. Uh, well, again, I'm in mid, I'm in changing horses midstream, right? Yeah. During this podcast, like this week so your pager number is yeah brandtherapygroup.com intake forms on the website and you can send them a fax yeah you can you can send me a fax or send me some direct mail through uh yeah. Mark's post yeah. yeah and then uh, mark how do people keep up with you i know you're you're pretty active across all platforms uh the clearinghouse is hello marco with a k.com perfect um is there anything else that you guys would like to cover before we hang it up listen this has been awesome i really appreciate you guys taking the time because we've got a whole world to save and all these big problems to solve and you know we we love you brian we would come anytime i'll be back all right well can't get any better than that i'm gonna shut it down maybe next time we'll talk about hot keto and swordsmanship yeah and by the way if if anybody's interested in ever just 
there's certain fight cards that are coming up where I'm like, if you don't know if you're into this or not, or you're not just completely averse to it or vaguely curious, the one coming up this Saturday, UFC 235, is going to be unbelievable. You're talking about the masters of the masters. So, Do they finally let him have swords in there? Uh, so you, two dudes beating the shit out of each other in a cage is what you're talking about, right? So anyway, uh, it's nice to have you guys here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes women. Uh, so, oh, okay. yeah. Sometimes Perfect. it's women fighting. Sometimes it's men fighting. Uh, or whatever they are at that time. They should have married couples go in there and fight. That right. would be... I would watch that. Like arguments, but just in a cage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at a table, with dinner on the table, and a screaming toddler. That's uh, what I want to see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, th- uh, thanks again for all the, the great calls. Uh, Michael Shreve and Craig Havagers and a bunch of great people. Jeff Coffin. It's so cool to have all these common sphere uh, sort of points of view. Um, these are all people that we're all interlaced with. That's what's great about this city. And and we are sitting here as like sort of this one representation of, of all of those kind of constellations that exist here that it's not like anywhere else. Mm. The world, the level of like world-class people doing world-class shit everywhere, I think is so dense here that it's unbelievable. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be here as much as I've, you know, had my doubts. Uh, and I can look outside and think, oh my God, you know, I just want to, I can't put me in the desert. Like, this is grotesque. But ultimately, I like it. Uh, I appreciate you guys being here and being a part of the city and making shit happen. And, and congratulations on selling the Ink Building. And congratulations on all the things that you're doing. Uh, Hampshire College. SaveHampshire.com. Uh, SaveHampshire.com. All right. Uh, check it out. ArtFightPodcast.com. Later. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight Podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash artfightpodcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone